Welcome to She Will Lead with host Sheba Wilson. She Will Lead is a podcast that speaks to the heart and soul of women in leadership, the unique challenges we face, and how we can become empowered to overcome them and live every day above defeat. Why do I feel like a fraud? Is imposter syndrome even real? In a Medical News Today article published in September 2020, it stated that imposter syndrome can affect anyone, regardless of job or social status. But high-achieving individuals are the ones who often experience it. The article went on to say that psychologists first described the syndrome in 1978. According to a 2020 review, 9 to 82% of people experience imposter syndrome. Many people experience symptoms for a limited time, such as in the first few weeks of a new job. For others, the experience can be lifelong. In today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Dina C. Brown. Dr. Brown has been working in the areas of organizational development, executive coaching, organizational change and transformation, and leadership development for over 20 years. Dr. Brown knows firsthand that mindful leadership is the key to business effectiveness and growth. Her skills were honed through over two decades as an educator and school administrator with the Department of Defense. Her passion for international travel and global relations created the framework for her extensive work throughout the world, creating and developing leaders and high-performance teams. After identifying a significant deficit of women in key leadership roles, Dr. Brown founded the Lead Her Shift Movement. The Lead Her Shift Movement was founded to help female executives shift the way they think to elevate the way they lead, learn, experience, apply, and develop. Dr. Brown is the CEO of her Executive Presence, LLC, an executive coaching company for female executives. She's the host of Walking Through Glass, the podcast, co-hosts a weekly talk show, Interludes, on and is an internationally best-selling author. Welcome, Dr. Dina C. Brown to She Will Lead. So Dr. Brown, tell us about yourself. What are you passionate about and what do you believe your purpose is? I am passionate about falling madly in love with the authentic self. My purpose in life is to inspire, empower, and transform lives. How I do it may shift and has shifted over the course of my career, over the course of my personal life and my spiritual life, but I'm truly called to serve those who serve and truly help particularly women as a spiritual midlife birth the dreams that are embedded inside of them. And to be able to do that, they have to have a finite connection with their authentic self and be empowered to lead boldly from that narrative. Wow. You know, I, I just love that you, you talk about the importance of the authentic self, because one of the things that I've found throughout my career is that even in trying to find mentorship, I found that leaders were not authentic. And so it, it began, it became something that I never wanted to be. I always want to be true to self and to allow my authentic self to shine through in everything that I do. So I, I believe that that's truly very important. Uh, and we're talking about also a very important conversation today, which is imposter syndrome. Now, you are currently researching the intersectionality of imposter syndrome with race, class, and trauma amongst African-American women and also other minority ethnic groups. 
give us an overview of why you started this work and what you found through your research. I started the work because 50 years ago, when the initial, it's a little bit longer than, yeah, just about 50, 51 years ago, the initial research on imposter syndrome did not include (laughs) studies of Black women or even other minority ethnic groups. And so although um, we, we hear imposter syndrome and we, you know, speak about the impact and 70% and we start to look at that, I was very curious and I said, okay, so I'm a researcher. Who, who was in that study? Let me look more about that. And so mm-hmm. when I started digging deeper into that, I thought, wait a minute, we weren't there. And, and, and that is connected to actually a bigger piece of the picture and the puzzle as to why I realized that this was for me to do. We talk about being called to do. Um, and I've been hearing people say, I have imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome. I'm an imposter. Even myself going, do I have imposter syndrome? You know, I'm pretty confident. Mm-hmm. What is that? And when I would hear it and I begin to say it and I felt like it became a band-aid phrase for describing times when you felt insecure or you felt, and I said, okay, so what does that look like? So I started asking questions and it was through my show, my podcast, Walking Through Glass, where we talk about the inner critic and we talk about you know, that um, negative self-talk, and we talk about what we say to ourselves as we lead from authentic narrative, that I started asking women, particularly Black women, I said, so you said you have imposter syndrome. What is that? What does that feel like to you? And so when they were describing it to me, here's what they would say. I'm I'm concerned what they will think about me, Hmm. not what I think about because I was working with these amazing women who were leading companies, COOs, CFOs, and they had, you know, these insecurities about, you know, their, their leadership. But when we had these conversations and they were telling me what they were insecure about, and they said, well, you know, I suffer from imposter syndrome. I said, well, you don't know that you're great. Oh no, I know I'm good. Wait, wait, hold on. You know, you're good but you said you have imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is this clinical said, let me help you with the clinical meaning of it. You believe yeah. that you don't have, you know, that you, you're, you're, you're going to be found out to be a fraud. And they said, no, I know, but every time I have to prove to them that I can do it and I'm concerned about what they're going to say. And that was the root of the anxiety and the fear. And I said, Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Is that imposter syndrome? And so then we start talking about code switching and masking. And, and I said, okay, we need to reframe this <laughs> because there's an, mm-hmm. there's a spectrum as opposed to one finite because every woman that I met with had a different tweak. And so when we would have conversations about their background, cause I'm writing the book, imposter syndrome, how to be saying sexy and significant in a male dominated world. So when I started writing the book, I was doing these interviews and I realized that I kept coming back to there's more to the story and I don't want to tell the story from a distorted narrative. And so I said in it Mm -hmm. and I kept saying, okay, God, you know, being a woman of faith, you know, what is this? And I started again, looking, doing some research and finding out that when the initial study set was done, the test set, it was, it was primarily with women and some men who were already in therapy. There were already, so there's, there's, there's some elements to that. And so now there hasn't been an in-depth study that includes, I mean, a research-based study that includes women of color and other other minority ethnic groups. And additionally, individuals who were not already part and partial to therapy. And so I said, whoa, why hasn't this been done? So again, I've been, digging through and so the whisper it was like because it is yours <laughs> i was like oh mm-hmm. it was for you to do and um and i said i want to reframe that narrative so i'm not saying that 
you don't suffer or you don't experience imposter syndrome is that there's a spectrum and there's an intersectionality to how the imposter bully shows up subconsciously and consciously when you are feeling anxiety or fear or change. And for black women, particularly how it relates to us, given the fact of how we've either been portrayed um, historically, <laughs> what happens to us mm. currently, and whether we talk about you know body shaming and trauma. And I found that many women who share, especially executive women, who shared that they felt imposter syndrome, a deeper dive into their narrative, they had experiences of domestic violence, um, sexual molestation and abuse, abandonment, foster care. So there was all these traumatic experiences early on in life mm -hmm. that they were still processing too. And so I kind of took my love of neuro-linguistic programming and cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. and realized that I wanted to provide solutions, but you, there's no one size fits all. There's no one magic pill. And being able to develop solutions for overcoming the imposter bully, that imposter phenomenon will take a deeper understanding on the root causes. And that's what my work ha has found is that we're talking about toxic shame. We're dealing with trauma. We're dealing with internal factors. We're dealing with external factors. And at the intersection of those or the cross intersection of those is that magic sweet sauce for that particular person to be able to move ahead and live their very best life today. Now, I will say this through my research and through my own knowing that imposter bully will never go away. It will never go away. It is your amygdala. It is your it. I call it my, I call her Heffa. I call, I named mine. Her name is Heffa because if you understand how the mind works and that mind brain body connection and that sense of knowing in your subconscious is that your brain has been recording and it records 24 7 365 it never shuts off and your amygdala that subconscious has been storing all of these memories knows all your secrets from before you knew your secrets <laughs> That's why it can never go away. But if you understand and overcoming it, it's how do you mitigate it? How do you recognize your triggers? How do you be able to step into the space so that when you are triggered or you're in that moment, you know what to do next so that you're not stuck? I hope that answers. <laughs> Got really excited about that. Yeah, Got really that's... excited about that. But I wanted to kind of give you a bigger framing for that. Yes, that is, that's a lot. That's a lot of food. You know, um, I, I like how you termed it imposter bully. And uh, you also said that, you know, that bully will never go away. We will always have to deal with that bully. I also like that you named your bully, <laughs> you know, I because I, I, I kind of personally have experienced those times where that inner voice is, is saying to me about, you know, who do you think you are? Or you can't do that, you know, and causing me to doubt my abilities, even though I know that I am able to do certain things. It's that voice inside trying to deter you and to tell you that, that you, you don't belong, you don't fit in, and you don't have the ability to do certain things. So I, I love that term. And I, I was going to ask you to elaborate and explain what you meant by impossibility, but you actually went and, and gave a lot of nuggets in there with regard to imposter bully. So, so that's a, a term that I'm now going to use and I'm probably going to name her as well. <laughs> yes. Name that shit. Cause you got to talk to her. <laughs> yes. Great. So, you know, you also said in there that, um, you, you heard that voice audibly telling you you're supposed to be the one to do this work. You know, and as a woman of, of faith, I completely understand that because sometimes, you know, we see something that needs to be done and we, we have to be reminded by the Holy Spirit 
that we're the ones that, you know, are tasked with actually getting that done or creating that change. And so I love that you you brought your faith into it and, and you're showing that this is not something that you chose. It's something that God has chosen for you to do. And he's equipped you to be able to do this work. So that that is awesome. I'm, I'm always happy to hear when leaders are being spirit led because they're more effective, in my opinion, when, when it's led by the Holy Spirit. So you're, you mentioned about the yes. ebook, The Imposter Syndrome, and that book comes with a 21-day action yes. plan. Uh, you talked a bit ab- about how you came to the point of actually writing that book. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what you hope to achieve, what the purpose is behind, behind the book? The, the goal is, again, is to give an intro to the to some solutions and putting some context around the conversations that people are having about imposter syndrome. Now, by no way, shape or form is this the in-depth aspect of my research that's coming and I'll be releasing segments Mm -hmm. of that. But I felt like from the Forbes, from Inc to Entrepreneur to Thrive Global, to everyone has been talking about imposter syndrome to the point where many people start asking, do you even know what that is? (laughs) And they go, well, not really. Mm-hmm. It means that I feel like I'm fake. I go, well, there's more to it. <laughs> and if you're if you're yeah. saying that for especially for women and black women, I'm not going to start that business. I'm not going to dare to dream. I'm not going to. And I'm trying to figure out why. And we'll hear, you know, mm-hmm. about I don't know the why. And I said, well, that's part of that imposter bully saying, who do you think you are? Even to me doing this work. And so I lean in the direction of my fear unless there's a bear on the other side. And because I also mm-hmm. know Heffa is there to save me, but <laughs> it could be my savior or my saboteur. And so it was like, well, who are, who are you to do, you know? And I realized in that moment, because I've become very aware of that self-awareness is critical, <laughs> aware of when I start the triggers yeah. of when that started to happen that I start having these conversations and I thought, wait a minute, that that's, I'm doing the work and I still deal with this imposter bully, this inner critic. And this is again, a compilation of all of my experiences and all of my fears that have been layered to create this big ball of sometimes, you know, anxiety. So we have to kind of crack that nut to open up and get to the root, mm-hmm. to get to the seed of it. Where does this come from? And so putting the ebook together was my offering to say, here's a place to start. Here's a place to start. Um, What do you do? So people will begin to know what it is. They looked it up. They read, you know, a paragraph about it and they saw some celebrities. Michelle Obama talked about it. Oprah talked about it. Maya Angelou talked about it. And so they've honed on and they gleamed onto that soundbite Mm -hmm. and diagnosed themselves (laughs) with imposter syndrome. And so but they don't know the deeper pieces to it. And so this ebook is just the beginning to give a framework to say, here's what it is. Mm-hmm. Here's the types. So now you can call a thing a thing and begin to mitigate, begin to identify triggers and begin to, again, put some systems in place so that when you're at, you know, when it's, when it's critical for you, that you don't become paralyzed in that moment and that you can continue to, to move forward. Great. So you talked about reframing the narrative. So, you know, based on your research so far, your own personal experiences, how would you now define imposter syndrome in the, in the simplest terms that the average person would be able to understand what it is? I don't think that there is a simple term, (laughs) to be honest with you. (laughs) I know that there is a simple solution. So if you want to stop feeling like an imposter, stop thinking like an imposter. Mm. Because it's all in what you think about who you are. 
what you think. Not what someone else believes they know about you. And so I want to do a TED Talk. I'm still, every show I get on, everything I post, I'm still looking for my TED stage opportunity because I, the title of it is Who the Heck is They? They is you. <laughs> because mm-hmm. we are that imposter bully and there's two sides of that. So if you look, if you download the ebook, you look at the cover um, and I had my artist who created this and, and I said I wanted this avatar you can see the shadow and you can see putting the hand yes. saying shut up Heffa <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it's from inside of us it, it, uh, it is us and mm-hmm. I can't I can't simplify that why because we are complex multi-potentiate um, beings and so there is no one way which is why I've included an action plan <laughs> so that you can figure mm-hmm. it out for yourself what is it is it for you um when you feel like and i'll speak to for myself as a um a black woman in senior leadership who's been co-switching her entire life <laughs> i mean i went to school in the yeah. 70s where they were busing us to integrate white schools right from our black mm-hmm. neighborhoods mm-hmm. and being in a room and being an only and having to you know always make sure i was prepared and so do I feel most like an imposter when I don't know the code for code switching? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do I yeah. feel like it when I, or what if I'm triggered by an old memory of being in the spelling bee, um, making a slight um, mishap, but yet losing to a white little girl in the fourth grade when I, you know, knew that. And so there, so where is the root of it all? And so here's what I do. I don't know if you asked this, but I feel it's really in context of bringing this together so that I hope this helps. And this mm-hmm. speaks to the how, the why, and what you will glean from the ebook is that I learned to hold an inner court because I know that I'm the judge, the jury, the defense attorney, the prosecuting attorney, yeah. the witness, yeah. <laughs> and, and everything in between. Yes. And in doing that, I, I came to understand I'm 100% in control of my thoughts. That's the only thing I can control. Mm-hmm. And so I have to have an inner court and actually put my fear and have a conversation and confront the fear, the anxiety, the voice that I'm hearing, that I'm experiencing. I confront that. We put them on trial. And so we mm-hmm. question and we, we interview those feelings. Where did you come from? You know, what's, what's going on here? Where did you get that from? And we begin to question after we're interviewing those feelings, we begin to then pull apart the emotions that are attached to them. And so when we be able to do that, and you can do this very, I've gotten great at doing this very quickly. And so now I can then provide evidence for the situation to then speak to the heifa and have a better understanding of who I am, mm-hmm. who I am and what my real narrative is because I have been talking to myself for 48 plus years. And what we yes. say to ourselves is important. And I don't know what you've been saying to yourself, which is why I can't simplify it yeah. to that. All I can tell you yes. is that if you don't want to feel like an imposter, Stop thinking like one, and that takes strategy, and that yeah. takes um, particular intentional action steps, and that's what this ebook gives you. That that is awesome. You know, it just highlights the importance of the conversations that we have with ourselves. They are absolutely the most important conversations, and I find that sometimes people don't want to do the work of introspection. And I don't know whether that's because they're afraid of what they will find out, the truth of, of why they are the way they are or why they think the way they think. They don't want to deal with maybe some of the deep-rooted issues that they've kind of shoved to the background and, and hid away and, and never addressed. But I find that persons usually don't want to be introspective. They don't want to find out who the authentic self is. 
do you have any thoughts on that and, and why it is that uh, for the most part persons, they avoid getting to know the it's true painful, self? It's uncomfortable. And sometimes we have our own ugly truths <laughs> and we're complicit in that. Yes. <laughs> and so you, there's a sense of avoidance, which is why I said you've got to go put them on, on, on trial um, to be able mm-hmm. to, um, to be able to deal with those unique experiences and to be able to, um, in a way, have an opportunity to dig deeper. It is painful. And I'm going to say this again, it is painful, but you pull it back one layer at a time. Hence why Mm -hmm. for some, when I say there's a spectrum, depending on what has occurred. So when we're talking about toxic shame, when we're talking about trauma, when we're talking about internal factors of what you've been through, those moments, those hurts, you know, those fears that have now amassed into large anxieties. And then particularly for black women and other minority ethnic groups, we talk about external factors like institutionalized racism, which adds to that, you Mm -hmm. know, and those painful things. Who wants to be in pain? Yeah, definitely. No one loves pain. Uh, you know, no, it, it reminds me of the law of pain and the 15 invaluable laws of growth. But pain is inevitable and it also aids in our growth. And so as much as we hate it, we don't, we don't want to experience it. Um, most times we can turn a painful experience into a positive one if we want to do the work and go through that process of determining you know, what the lessons are in, in that situation and how we can then make the adjustments that we need to in order to grow and move forward. But you're right. You know, no one wants to deal with the pain, but we, we have, have to. to, we have to, we have to. And that's, it's the reframing. And so that's why you you said, well, what was my, what was like, it was the reframing. And as I went through my own journey, I've been through these different things and I started to pull all the pieces together and I was always asking why I was asking why, because it was really critical for the how the, mm-hmm. the resolution and the solution of the how starts with the why. And yes. it was, Oh man. Yes. And so I thought, and here's the thing I had to also be honest about my own complicity in certain things that occurred. So mm-hmm. with that being that part of it as well was critical. And I said, Heffa is there to save us. <laughs> and so yeah. remember when we think about, you know, the DNA, the, the biology of our fear, I've done a talk about the biology of our fears is that in rooted in that subconscious space, that amygdala is that those triggers was to help us run to hide when we were in danger. And so when you start mm-hmm. to hyperventilate because you're, you have a trigger and it's rooted from something that consciously you can't recall and there's a subconscious, you know, a piece of that, then you're kind of going, oh my goodness, I'm hiding and I don't know why. So what do we always say when something massive happens and we're, we go, I don't know why we say mm-hmm. that we know that, but then how many of us take that next step and sit in it and say, let me figure out why. And ask yeah. myself some questions and don't, and don't, and do it privately. I do my introspection privately and journaling actually helps. And for some who have dealt with massive trauma, that's the importance of therapy. Yeah. I mean, like go see a therapist, you know, I mean, psychoanalyst. And I have had certain people who have asked me to work with them. And I said, Oh honey, I can't work with you. I said, you mm-hmm. actually need to work with a professional. Now, am I experiencing cognitive behavioral therapy? Yes. Do my practitioner of net, um, net neuro-linguistic programming? Yes. Am I a psycho-trained clinical psychoanalyst? No. And your level of traumas mm-hmm. and all of those other pieces, you need someone where that's their work. I can coach you through yes. it, support you through it, give you some strategies through it. My research speaks about it, but the level of your trauma and the triggers that are going to come with it 
what you're speaking about is probably years of therapy to pull back the layers in a very controlled environment and maybe may need to include some hypnotherapy, you know, and I'll say there's some other things. And they look at me like, oh, but you're like this, you know, therapist coach. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, here's what I know. Here's what I've studied. Here's what I experienced. And so, yes, I have awareness. I have the study of, I said, but I would never, just because I know what a neurosurgeon does, I would never go try to operate on the brain. So, yeah, so that's why exactly. some people, um, when they are avoidance, because the heifer is has a code of protection. Think about a very hard nut, a hazelnut. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's coded and saying, I need to protect you because your ability to process this emotion, to relive or to deal with this is going to hurt you. So as I said, the amygdala is not all bad. Heifer is not all bad. But we have to we have to be in control of that voice. We have to be in control of our mind and have mind management. And when we do yes. that, um, that will help us um, be introspective. I've sat in tears many a day with one question, asking myself, "Who am I? Who am I right mm-hmm. now in this season? Who am I?" Because I was triggered by. Even social media is, and it's not the, the devil and I'll be all, but social media will incite lots of triggers. So seeing old pictures, like at this time of the year, different years, I would have been traveling in Dubai or in Ireland, you know, I've been doing all these different things mm-hmm. and now I'm sitting at home because we're in lockdown because of COVID or I've been married twice and, you know, yeah. this next week, it just, I was wondering why I was feeling a little off and disconnected. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mean to talk about this, but maybe somebody needs to hear this. And so I was sitting there going, what's going on? And so I was having those memory lane moments. And then it hit me when I looked at the calendar and my sister was saying, oh, you know, my birthday is next week. Well, her birthday also coincided with my anniversary of my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And so next week would have been what our 15th, 16th year. And we divorced, um, what, four years ago, four or five years ago. Yeah. And he's thus remarried. And, and it was a good note. I'm not lamenting. <laughs> but we no, talked no. about the introspection. And I was wondering why I was kind yes. of looking at other pictures and having moments where I remembered the things that he did that were great. And I was not thinking about the things that were toxic. And I was like, why am I having all of this emotional? And then I said, ah, wait a minute. I did my inner court. And I said, heck, our anniversary. We always celebrated our anniversary and did something unique and, and themed. So that's why, you know, I say it doesn't go away. But once we can identify and learn those other elements of that, we now have a powerful tool to be able to overcome it. Yeah. I'm glad that you shared about that experience with with the emotions that you were feeling and then being able to identify why because of the timing and, and the anniversary. Because I had a similar situation in September of this year. And I, I started to feel this weight of depression from like the end of August. And it went on for about three weeks and I couldn't shake it. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? And then it hit me that it was the fifth year anniversary of my husband's death that was approaching. And that was the reason why I was feeling so heavy and depressed and you know, before me realizing that, it was like I couldn't do anything to change my mood. But the moment that I realized what it was, it was like I took control of my emotions and I began to to be able to come out of that slum that I was in. But before I came to that realization, it was like nothing that I did to try and change my mood worked.
I'm glad that you um, had that experience to realize that you made the connection between what was happening and what you're feeling. Hence, like I start calling it the inner court. <laughs> I'm putting it into a framework yes. for that inner court. And yes. before, another reason why I do the work and why my work is laser focused on Black women is, is almost as if we were never given permission to feel. We were told to get over mm-hmm. it. This is life. Everything's going to be tough. Yes. There's going to be situations. And what we did was we buried all of that <laughs> in. And True. when we get into certain situations and we're triggered and that feelings of I'm not enough, why me? And am I the one? It wasn't solely because we didn't go to school. We have the degrees, we have the experience. We know the, we know mm-hmm. the, the strategy, we know the math problem, we know the formula. And why are we still feeling like we're not the person to solve the problem? And that was what stuck with me the most. And I said, okay, now we're waiting for the IRB approval piece to do the human study portion of it. And the Mm -hmm. study will include all, all who identify as female, trans, binary, you know, all Mm -hmm. and will include every shade of the rainbow in every culture (laughs) why baseline cost study great so the nuggets that i'm pulling out to centralize my area expertise is for black women and other minority ethnic groups but what it will also provide to the body of research you know, that Clanson, Imes did in the 70s, is that a new understanding based on new experiences for women who didn't and were not familiar with therapy. See, the mm-hmm. research also came out of therapy, people who could afford to go to therapy. Yes. So what about all the other people that were experiencing right. these things? And, and so there's more to the story. And yes. what I find is that right now in these times of uncertainty, because that's when that imposter bully will show up the most change and uncertainty, which are daily facts of life will show up. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, depression is real. Being sad is real. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I want to share when you're, when you're struggling and you are like, I don't feel like no day in a court, nah, nothing is that, Give yourself grace to be in the moment that you're in. Just do not let it morph into a memory that becomes a mainstay of your narrative. Mm -hmm. And that is that. So when I'm feeling that, when I was feeling that, like I was sharing with you from what's going on in this time of the year and the holidays will do that to you too. Um, And because we used to decorate our house in Georgia with Christmas stuff everywhere. We had a big Thanksgiving. Anyway, we just would do everything. So own the moment and kind of ask the question. And then when you just feel cruddy, I give myself grace and I give myself time. And by time, I mean literal yes. time. And this is not in the ebook. So this is the bonus you get from listening. This is actually in the next iteration of the strategies <laughs> that I actually put time on the clock. I use my phone because it has a timer on it. And depending on the situation I'm processing through, I didn't say power through, I said processing through. Mm-hmm. I give myself time. Now in the beginning, when I was really going through, I needed more time. Now I'm so quick with it and I've trained myself. I've learned how to manage it. I give myself, I start with 10 minutes and I say, okay, 10 minutes, go for it. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, you're, oh, you haven't done anything in your life. Cause I literally voice can, when I say this now to you, it sounds crazy, but I'm in those moments. You've done nothing with your life. You are 48 years old. You haven't accomplished all your goals. <laughs> I'm just 
hold on yeah. and, and you know look at and you start the comparison trap right and you start all this stuff mm-hmm. and so sometimes I'm just feeling like that and I don't want to go through the whole professor doctor dean thing so I said okay you got 10 minutes go for a girl obviously there's something else you're dealing with <laughs> 10 minutes I go all in tears and all and blah 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 and when the buzzer goes off okay you're done so now you spend mm-hmm. 10 minutes feeling sorry for yourself and talking about how you are, you now will spend 20, 20, double the time in gratitude. And I put 20 wow. minutes on the clock. And I said, now what you're getting ready to do is you're going to be grateful for all that you are. Right now, you're going to talk about the things that you have done well. You're going to talk about the things and your blessings and the fact that you are drawing breath and some people do not draw breath. You're going to call a thing a thing and you're going to give gratitude and you are going to speak life into your greater. And so <laughs> that switch and in the very beginning, it's not easy, which is why I provide a whole framework for how to do this in, in the book is that it's not easy to do it, but when you do it one step at a time and you give yourself grace in the beginning, I was saying things like, I'm grateful for my eyelashes. I'm grateful for my nose. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I was, I was feeling pouty. You talk about how we just, I was feeling like a brat. And then Mm -hmm. though, as I started to do this, I started to really look around and said, I got, a roof over my head. <laughs> I have, mm-hmm. you know, if one person loves me, if God loves me, I mean, I just, honestly, it just started. And so now I don't even need the 10, I still use the timer method. And I used to have, need an hour child. I needed a lot. Someday, once I took a couple days, but now, even when I start the gripe session, by two minutes, I'm kind of laughing because now I'm making up stuff. Because I realized this is ridiculous. You were born for greater than this. So stop it. Stop <laughs> it. And so, but I, yes. I still kind of, I'll, I'll start and say that. But now I've trained myself. I've re-scripted that narrative. I have mind management that before it even becomes an utterance out of my mouth, I've already reframed that situation to see the opportunity for my greater. Cause I realize that everything is compost for my growth. I believe that. Yeah. I think that. So yeah. now as I try and um, now, I mean, this is just foolishness y'all, but y'all might as well know the whole truth is that one time I was trying to be, I was trying to feel grumpy and ungrateful cause I was just feeling in a funk and I was trying to be kind of like mm. pouty. And I couldn't think of one thing to complain about. I laughed so hard and I said, yes, it works. So that's when I knew I said, mm-hmm. it works that I've done this. And I called my girlfriend and she was laughing because she said, you know, it's the same thing. And does not mean I don't get sad? No, I do get sad. I do that. I said, but because of my understanding and the way that I think, I don't become mm-hmm. mired in that muck. I'm able to truly yes. flourish and rise out of that. Like the beautiful lotus seed who starts in the in the muck of the pond to sit on the water in all its glory. Wow. I just love something that you said. You said everything is compost for my growth. Oh my gosh. Like that that is so profound because, you know, I think sometimes we fail to realize that. Everything that we encounter, every situation and circumstance that we go through, it is really to help us on our journey. It's to grow us and to prepare us and to build the character traits that we need for whatever comes next. And sometimes we can spend too much time in the funk and not, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and realize that, hey, why am I going through this? There has to be a reason that God is allowing me to to be in this moment and to experience what I'm experiencing because maybe I am going to use this for whatever he's preparing me for. I also love how you, you talked about giving yourself the grace to be in that moment 
you know, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, and then switching from that place of giving yourself grace to having an attitude of gratitude, of, of being grateful. And so I'm saying that because the question that I had next was for you to share actionable steps that we could take to beat this imposter syndrome, this impossibility. But you kind of touched on it already. You shared some some steps with us already. So would there be anything else that you can offer to the, the listeners to help them to, to beat imposter yes. syndrome? And so when you're talking about number one, download, grab the ebook. The ebook will, you know, highlight some areas and you can identify um, some areas, you know, for yourself to be able to do that. And that when we look at how to, um, how to beat it, is that number one, the strategies, and again, these are really extrapolated in the, in the ebook is to be mindful, be mindful and keep your mind in the present moment is that first part of that is that when you start going down that memory lane because when the voice says like you're not enough or why do you remember what happened when is that you need to immediately be able to turn back around and says that was then this is now okay next mm -hmm. so you focus your yeah. thoughts on what you're doing right now at the moment and you know when you when you are trying you know, trying this out, you will be pulled away <laughs> to want to go back there. So that's mm -hmm. why you have to be intentional. And I call this, you getting all the good stuff that's not in this ebook. So y'all better listen to podcast <laughs> and um, write it down because the, what I'm sharing with you, the shift factor <laughs> is actually from the bigger, larger yeah. book that's coming out. And, uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you yes. that the shift factor and shift is an acronym is the s is self-awareness you've got to be aware of who you are in this right now moment your highs your lows your goods your bads you you have to spin that and once you are self-aware and you know where those gaps are you know where those areas of um, improvement those areas and opportunities for growth are it allows you to have the h which is humility to know that you were never here to do it by yourself. Being fully equipped and fully mm -hmm. resourced doesn't mean you have to do it all alone. It means that you are connected to the source that will bring you that. <laughs> Whether it is a person yeah. or it's an opportunity. And being humble is saying, I am self-aware to know that that is not my strength. That is not my area of genius. So guess what I need to do? I need to open my mouth and say, oh, uh oh, I, I don't. Being humble is not groveling. It's being courageous and bold to say, oh, I know who I am. And that part is not me. And if that's you, we need to get together. I need to tap into you. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that humility, yes. but it, humility in the context of making the shift happens after you're self-aware. Because if you mm -hmm. don't do it in the right order, you can get caught up in narcissistic relationships and tendencies because you're searching for something. So you have to have a, a wholeness of who you are yeah. and what your I am is so that you are humble enough to know, oh, and you have discernment enough to know that now I'm attracting what's the missing piece, okay, for my next grader. Not the missing piece to you. The missing piece mm -hmm. for your next grader, okay? part of your puzzle, part of your mosaic for, for what you're doing next. Now that you're humble and you've got to identify that, you can have the I. You need to be intentional. You know what the law of intentionality says. If you do not have a specific plan and a strategy for this, but you can only do that mm -hmm. after you what? You know your I am. Who am I? Right now yes. in this season, you'll hear me say that over and over again. Right now in this season, not who you were 10 years ago, not who you were, you know, five years ago, not that it's throwback Thursday and not you put, no, who are you right mm -hmm. now? <laughs> Everything yes. that's in your pot. Okay. <laughs> okay. Including the compost. <laughs> and so now yes. I can intentionally take action. I can say, here is my plan. Here's my strategy. 
And because humility is a part of that, here's who I need. Here's who's mm-hmm. supposed to be a part of this. And that intentionality that you've done this work in these particular steps in this shift allows you to truly hunt rabbits instead of chase squirrels. So that intentionality is key. And because you're intentional, you can focus. You can laser focus on your one thing. Your one thing that leads to your next one thing, that leads to your next one thing, that leads to your next one thing. That is the thing Mm -hmm. you're called to do in this season. Okay. And because you're self-aware, because you are humble, because you've been intentional and you have focused, you can stay T tenacious. You will hold on when life is shaking and and stirred and it's unsettling and you don't know what. Why? Because you have clarity. You have clarity. Mm -hmm. And that clarity allows you to courageously stand and be confident in the midst of uncertainty and consistent to stay the course. And that's the shift factor. That is the breakdown that will be in the book, Walking Through Glass, I'll release in 2021. But it's built from the research based of how our mind works and how to manage our mind which controls our brain, who talks to our body. <laughs> and wow. so it's it's really powerful. And so that mindfulness is key. And, you know, this part might seem a little bit morbid, but it actually is in the ebook, is that when we talk about the shift, and I, and I share with leaders, once you pivot, don't forget to shift. <laughs> Pivot hmm. around the same. Yeah. The shift is the action that you take. And so what is yes. your legacy? What is your legacy? What do you want people to say when you're gone? When you're gone. When you're gone. Yeah. Your children, your family. Do you want to be like fish and then three days it smells and they've thrown it out? <laughs> oh my. Wow. Or do you want to be like a savory piece of chocolate? That the notes and the hints of vanilla linger far after someone's consumed it. And all you have to do is say the word chocolate and it conjures up this warm, great memory and and this multitude of usefulness. Mm -hmm. So that's really critical in being able to do that. You have to engage in your positive self-talk. That's part of the shift. But you do you that shift factor includes these things. And it's cyclical. It'll keep going over and over again as you encounter new situations. 6,200 thoughts that we have a day. And this is a recent study by the Queen's University in um, British Columbia. And Mm -hmm. 80% of our thoughts are negative. 95% are repetitive. Ruminating on our fears, our worries, our concerns, and whatever. You talk to you more than anybody else. What are you saying to you? Mm-hmm. Because what you're saying, 6,200, 80% of the time, 95%, how about we really begin to rescript that and start to speak life to ourselves? Not lies. I said life. life. <laughs> that's a whole nother episode mm-hmm. to talk about life. I ain't yes. getting into that because that's that that will take you down the whole that will we'll go to doing squirrels. Trust me, that's that's oh, a whole yeah. move, but just know that you want to speak life. Okay. And focus on solutions. What can you do? So yeah, identify. So it's mm-hmm. not ignoring and it's not that sense of false positivity that people talk about and go, that's wrong. You don't know. Acknowledge the, the situation, acknowledge the moment, and acknowledge the sadness, identify it. And then that introspection, that introspection that's needed, and then you focus on solutions. What is the solution? You know, and you know, five, let go of trying to be perfect. Let go of trying to be perfect. It's overrated and it's outdated and it doesn't exist. There's a myth of perfection. You are perfectly you. How about that? 
<laughs> yes. Strive for authenticity, oh, not perfection. I love myself. Yes. My flaws and all. And people will say a lot, Dina, you're so confident and you're so courageous and you're so bold. And I said, oh, because I love me. And if you do, it's a bonus. <laughs> hey, I love that. <laughs> I love myself. And a lot of times I'm talking to myself. I'm in my own head and people. And now this is the funny part. And, and it speaks to also still those remnants on that imposter spectrum. I did mm -hmm. not set out to inspire people on the magnitude which has been called to my attention lately. Okay, I say that. I am talking oh, wow. to myself. <laughs> I am talking wow. to myself. I called my sister, and I was talking about this yesterday. I called her partially in tears the other day because I had someone reach out to me and they were telling me how inspiring and motivating and the fact that the things that I have said have helped them make a shift in their thinking and, and even in their livelihood. And I was mm -hmm. like, me? Huh? Are they talking about me? Yeah. And I told her that this kind of feedback has been coming in droves lately. Okay. In droves. Yeah. I'm going somewhere with this, y'all. I'm going to this. In droves. <laughs> And I said, okay, I said, I forgot who I was, who you called me. Wow. And I have been in this muck. So what people were seeing was me going through the process of saying, I was born for greater than this. You will show up. You will speak life. You will not ruminate. Wow. And I began and God said, you will do it out loud. Oh, and in doing it wow. out loud, the impact. So I knew and I've known I have this gift. It's the way I think. I am a super nerd. I'm super fabulous too. I know that. Mm -hmm. I didn't internalize the impact that I had on other people's lives. And God said, in this season, this is your season of midwifery. And I need you to step from behind to the stage because you are the catalyst and the conduit for others, especially women, to birth what I've planted inside of them. And I need wow. you to do what I called you to do so that they can do what they're called to do. And I had no idea because I'm number seven. I'm very emotional because there's nine in my family. I'm number seven. And the number seven has auspicious and amazing connection. Yeah. But I have not necessarily felt, thought, considered myself to be that one. I just knew what I needed to be for me. And what God said is mm -hmm. everything you've been through and grooming you in the last few years of the crazy traumas that I've experienced. He said, I said, God, I thought I was being punk for the last few years because my life went crazy. He said, for you to go to the next level, which is why I said compost. He said, you mm -hmm. had to understand and to know what it was like to be rock bottom. Yes. Because I got something for you that's greater. Trust me and know that I am God. And I said, okay. He said, this is not about you. It is just coming through you. Yep. And he said, and you are called because you've lived it, you've experienced it, and you have a unique way of sharing it. And for those mm -hmm. who are called to the sound of your voice will do what I called them to do. Like the baby that jumped in his belly. He said, they're waiting for your voice. Yes. He said, so open your mouth. Wow. I mean, that is just awesome. That is a powerful testimony, you know, and my God, like that spoke to me on so many levels because personally on my journey, you know, God has had to remind me that nothing that I go through 
is for me. It's not for me. It's it's for me to be able to to use it and share it with others, persons that that need to know that they can overcome, that that they too can get through the tough times and and can accomplish the things that God has put within them to accomplish. And so that is a powerful testimony. And I thank you so much for your candor and your authenticity and just sharing vulnerably with the audience today. It it was a blessing. Thank you for having me. It was was definitely um, an honor to be here. And I, I always, I believe wherever I am is wherever I'm supposed to be because I've gotten away from thinking, oh, I wasn't supposed to share that. Yes, I was. Whoever needed to hear that needed to hear yes. that because that was not my Absolutely. intention. I didn't have that on my mind. It was as if the words just flowed out and God said, you will open your mouth because somebody needs this mm-hmm. because someone's been lying to them and it's been them. So no, it ain't the devil. Yes. It's the devil in you. It ain't, it's them. Mm-hmm. They are the they. And I'm telling mm-hmm. them to stop it because they have dominion over their thoughts, especially those yes. that know me. Yes, absolutely. Well, Dr. Brown, it was really a pleasure to be able to have you on the podcast and to to hear so much of your story in addition to, you know, your research and the ebook. But before we go, I want you to remind uh, listeners where they can actually grab a hold of the ebook and to also tell them how they can find you and what some of your, your services are. So if you could share that with the I'd audience. The best way and the, the quickest way, the simplest way, and for me, the most strategic way is to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Dina Speaks, D-R-D-E-E-N-A-S-P-E-A-K-S. And if you click the link in my bio, you can grab a hold of the ebook. Simple, simple, right? I didn't have to string out this book. You can grab a hold of the ebook. Also, if you listen to Walking Through Glass, the podcast, which is on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Music Play. And actually, when I did some research, it's on tons of other platforms I didn't even know. And so this season, the season three is all about shutting up Heffa and really. Oh, wow. And speaking to that imposter bully, um, as I synchronize what I'm working on for research and really, again, honing in to, in this season, speaking to that inner critic and helping people manage that, particularly um, women. And as far as, you know, services, I don't do one-to-one. I do one-to-one intensives. I don't do um, Mm -hmm. like individual, like, you know, coaching. But what I did start recently and you can also click the link um, in the bio from Instagram, is that I realize some people say, I just need to get a hold of just a nugget from you. <laughs> I just need a strategic uh, call, a strategic thinking partner. And so I offer mm-hmm. those strategic thinking partnerships and where you can pick my brain in a sense or to help you work through whatever that particular is thing that you're, you're dealing mm-hmm. with. And so it's kind of like one of those like power hour strategic sessions that are there. And you can, again, go to the link on Instagram, Dr. Dina speaks and go into my bio and it'll take you to um, the booking um, areas to be able to schedule um, one of those thinking partnerships and those strategy um, calls that you might actually want to have and stay tuned, stay tuned definitely um, for the book. Um, I'm really excited about the next, you know, level because I thought it was supposed to be out years ago. And again, I told you God's perfect planning (laughs) more into something even much more greater than me. So I am looking forward to um, your thoughts. And please, if you download or when you download the ebook, let me know what you think. What is your biggest takeaway? And what are some questions you, you have and you would like for me to answer moving forward? Okay, Dr. Dana, one more thing. Can you remind them of the title of your upcoming book? Yes, it's called Walking Through Glass. How to be sane, sexy, and significant. 
Okay. I'm looking forward to reading that. Thank you once again for being on She Will Lead. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you. And hopefully it won't be your last time. Oh, no, this was an honor. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, audience, for listening. And remember to live every day above defeat. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of She Will Lead. Live every day above defeat. Follow me on Instagram at Sheba L. Wilson. Facebook, Sheba Wilson, and LinkedIn at Sheba Wilson for more content on females in leadership and so much more.